In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Betches Moms, with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen and today we have an amazing guest. We are joined by creator, executive producer, star of the CBC comedy series, Workin' Moms, Katherine Reitman. Welcome, Katherine. What's up, Betches? First of all, I've watched every season of Working Moms. I'm so excited that this new season is out. Also, high praise for your iconic characters, Maureen Ponderosa, a big fan as well. Thank you. What's up, Sonny? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this new season just premiered. We're, for everybody who doesn't hasn't watched the show, can you just briefly tell us what's it about? Yeah, uh, Working Moms is a show that follows uh, a group of women as they are trying to have it all. I, I would say that it's a show about mothers, but I think people are responding to our show uh, for many reasons, but largely because it's about a bunch of flawed women making a lot of flawed decisions. It's complicated, right? And it's, it's following women that, you know, prior, prior to having kids, we spend all this time nourishing ourselves and going to university and trying to uh, water this flower and see what happens to us. And then we have kids and it's like, you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're supposed to be selfless and you're supposed to be maternal and pure. And that's not the reality for a lot of women. It wasn't for me anyway. Um, it could have been, you know, I had postpartum depression. It could have been that I'm a pretty selfish person. <laughs> but I woke up and thought, wait, I'm supposed to suddenly be a mom? And it, I had an identity crisis. And so Working Moms follows a bunch of women who are experiencing that identity crisis on a long, very funny road, uh, trying to make their relationships, their work, and their motherhood, their motherhood life work. I also really like the friendship element to it as well because like friendships definitely change as you become between women as you become a mom so that element I really like how you tap into that Thank um, you. was was the show is the, I mean you you star in it with your husband is it drawn from your own experiences yeah I mean after my first son Jackson um, who's now seven which is insane we've been doing the show a long time I uh, I went back to work a little too early and uh, for me, and like I said, I experienced postpartum depression and I had this identity crisis and I, you know, I, I had spent all this time, uh, I was in improv comedy and I was in all these like circles of boys, like male comedians. And I remember feeling like I just did not fit in anymore. They did not know what to do with me. They did not know how to see me or talk to me, uh, particularly when it came to my child. It's like I instantly became all of their mother. It was this crazy thing. It was like an earthquake happened in my life personally. And I was shooting a movie in Philadelphia, actually. And I was a, it was my first Mother's Day, and I was away from my 
then six-week-old son. And um, I started crying on set and I couldn't stop. I just erupted. And I went back to my hotel room and uh, my husband, very smart man who plays uh, Nathan on the show, my husband on the show, called me and he said, you got to write this down. You got to do something with this. I've never, we've never watched anything like this, at least not premium. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of mom content, but it, it didn't properly represent the experience I was going through. So I wrote a few scenes. We got some friends together and shot it and we edited it and uh, we were able to sell it to the CBC in Canada and Netflix picked it up and the rest is history, I guess. That's awesome. I, I do. I think you're right. There isn't like much mom content out there, at least on TV. That's like, it's both a comedy and also like kind of unearths the dark parts yeah. about motherhood. I think there's more now. Even five years ago, it felt like it was either so broad that it didn't do diligence to the actual experience, which can be very real, right? Like there was mm-hmm. no ground under the comedy or it was so dramatic. It was like an after school special. So, <laughs> right. or it's like some secondary character you don't care about, like the mom <laughs> who was mm-hmm. really one dimensional and, wasn't funny or smart or had anything interesting outside of the nursery to her. So the purpose of the show is to show really complicated women uh, who happen to also be mothers. How did you kind of realize that you had it? Like, how did you, did you get diagnosed or did you diagnose yourself? You know what? And even seven years ago, I guess when I had it, there wasn't as much conversation even as there is today. I know so because when the show came out, we actually got flack because a lot of people were saying that's not postpartum depression, what your character Frankie has. It's, it could be, you know, three other things. And I was thinking, well, I wrote exactly what happened to me and I was, this is what I was told I had. So it was actually enlightening. I was like, oh my God, maybe I had postpartum anxiety. Maybe I had all these other things. But to answer your question, I was in a mommy in me and I had, I was having fear driving, driving my whole life, fine driver. I was having all this anxiety when I would drive and I thought, especially if the kid was in the car, but even if the kid wasn't in the car, I would fantasize about like a bus hitting me or a car just taking me out, not killing me, not suicidal, but I wanted to be in the hospital for like a week, two weeks, long enough to be off my feet and for everyone to just give me a break. That was the whole goal. I just wanted everyone to expect less from me. And I talked about it in my mommy and me class and they all looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> and they were just like, Whoa. That's a bold story to share. <laughs> bold, bold fucking story to share, no doubt. But it was also like, I thought, okay, I'm paying for this class. Let's get some input that actually is useful. I don't, I don't need to learn baby yoga. I, yes, teach me how to swaddle the kid, but then tell me what to do with all these feelings and this anxiety. I thought that's what mommy and me was for. And I quickly learned it wasn't, uh, it was, and it has many useful qualities. I don't, I, I can't hate on mommy and me because even though we, we make fun of it mercilessly on our show, I know that it gives a lot of comfort and love and friendship and guidance and light to a lot of women and, and men. But for me, it, this particular group was bad. And so it <laughs> led to, of course, Frankie storyline. beyond the mommy and me class so you realize something maybe was a little off did you did you know how to ask for help no no in fact it was once I left that mommy and me one woman from that group walked me back to my car and I was like shook up and she was like 
I remember her just saying, she was like, honestly, I just got put on meds. You should just tell your doctor and they'll give you meds. And she was like, you know, don't worry about breastfeeding, you know, just take the meds and then you don't have those feelings anymore. And I remember being like, why didn't you bring that up in the group? (laughs) (laughs) It was this weird hushed conversation on the way back to the car, like a drug deal. And I remember I came home and I told Phil, I was like, all right, something's not right. I know, I think they're all personally experiencing it, but they don't, it seems to be a secret. Mm-hmm. And then I, I later was speaking to my therapist like weeks later and she, she diagnosed me. And at the time I remember thinking, this seems like it's not drawn on a blood test, right? It's, it's one of those things that it's really hard to nail down and identify. And I left it being like, do I, don't I? And then Philip said, you know, what would it do if, what would it do for you if you accepted that it was an accurate diagnosis? And that was more potent than denying it and questioning it. It took some, some of the weight off of me because I started talking about it. I'm just talking about it to friends and family and having a little more courage. I, I left the mommy and me group, which was a big, <laughs> big step for me. Um, apparently I missed all sorts of key, uh, key topics. <laughs> Um, ask my kids, maybe they, maybe they got screwed up on account of it. <laughs> no, that's really great. That's also great advice for anybody who's listening. I think just accepting that there's also varying degrees of it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't ne- necessarily need to be like, you need to be fitting in some sort of like textbook definition of it to say that you have it. And then the world ends because of you, if you have it. I was just going to say like, and perhaps this is a bold statement, but regardless of whether it, you're diagnosed with it or not, we all experience on some level or another an identity crisis when you give birth. doesn't matter if it's your first or it's your fifth. You keep changing as you become a mother. And that earthquake that happens, whatever title, whatever diagnosis you want to put on it, and of course, get the support you need, but also take a moment and, and be internal about it. Because I think we have to continue just as you would when you turned 16 or when you joined high school or you got your diploma at the end of university, if you, if you took that route. Like, this is another monumental moment in your life that requires pause and reflection. And if that leads to getting some help, getting medication, finding a therapist, whatever it is, wonderful. And if it just means you're journaling and talking to your husband and taking walks, doing things for you, amazing. Going back to like the whole working mom thing, not, not necessarily the show, but just the identity of being a working mom. How do you, like, talking about an identity crisis, how do you describe, like, the shift in personality of a woman when she becomes, she goes from just, like, having a career to, like, having a career and being a mom? Like, what, what happens? I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to have my first kid. <gasps> like, you can't see from here, but there is a giant eight, almost eight-month bump <laughs> under oh, here. Oh, my God. So, and I'm very much a work, thank you, I'm very much a working lady. Right. <laughs> so... So what, so can you share, like, what is the, what happens to your identity? Well, I'm sure it's different for every person, but I can tell you right. about my experience. From your experience. I have always been very ambitious and excited by the idea of work goals. And I sort of treated pregnancy like one of those goals, right? And I knew it was very important to my husband. At the time, I wasn't even sure I wanted kids, to be honest. Um, but upon becoming pregnant, I got really behind it. It became a new goal for me. And I wanted to raise, you know, healthy, well-rounded kids. Um, 
when you're pregnant, and this is not news, everyone talks about this, but when you're pregnant, you know, all the attention is on you. And then you give birth and all the attention shifts to the child. And this wild thing happens where you're, you're not jealous of the child. You're excited. Oh, maybe you are, maybe you are, but you're <laughs> no excited judgment. that the child, listen, but you're excited <laughs> that the child's getting attention, but you've become this like transparent thing behind of it that has gone through a major physical trauma. And the physical trauma is like the easy one to identify because you have a hospital bracelet to prove it or not home birth right on. But if, if there's an emotional trauma happens that as well, that no one can really put their finger on. And it's, it's that you have been spending all this time developing who you are. And at that moment, your label has changed without your real true consent. Yes, you consented to have a child, but you didn't, you didn't believe that you were no longer going to be who you are. And the way the world perceives you changes. And some people slide right into that, no problem. Some people are like, oh, I'm a mom now. I've got purpose and I feel naturally maternal and I have so connected to my child. And not one of those things was true for me. I was not connected to my first child. I wasn't naturally maternal. I didn't like the way the world was looking at me because it felt like I was no longer, I had all these personal questions in my head, like, am I still smart? Am I still interesting? Am I still sexy? Am I still worthy of attention outside of the child? And I didn't know the answer to that for a few weeks after I gave birth. Fuck, maybe a year after I gave birth. And that was what no one was talking about to me. There wasn't anyone talking about how we no longer feel worthy and deserve of things that we've been training our entire life for. I totally get the whole like maternal thing. Like, how do you just? For some women are just like, I've been maternal my whole life. This has been my this has been my like life's purpose. Even though you might be also a, like have a career and you work, but like this has been the thing, right? Did you find yourself, like, did it take time for you to become maternal? Like, how did you tap into that side? You know, it's kind of slow going. It was for me. The second kid wasn't. The second kid was very natural. And I think all my fears were much lower. Mm. Um, but with with my first boy, yeah, it was, it was uh, I think it was a very gradual process as I grew comfortable, as my hormones balanced off, because that's the other thing, right? right? You right. got this earthquake happening inside of you of, hormones, particularly when you, if you choose to breastfeed, no one told me that when I stopped breastfeeding, I would experience a lot of emotion, not just the connection thing, but you're actually hormonally going through a roller coaster, just balance back out. I felt like my biggest earthquake happened at nine months. Yeah. uh, Right. As I quit breastfeeding. And then as that, after I stopped breastfeeding, after I balanced back out, I was working more regularly. I was like taking walks. I was doing things. I was making I took a lot of time to make music playlists for myself. <laughs> just <laughs> see like what you got to do. <laughs> right, right, right. Just doing things that felt like, okay, this is just mine. And this is part of who I am. And it makes me feel good. And all those things helped quite a bit. Right. So we had a lot of questions from our audience about just working mom experience. Right. Question, here's, this is a really good one. Advice for moms to deal with a husband who acts like his job matters more than yours. Uh, I'm a bad person to give advice on this because I'm in a true, I'm, I got very, very lucky. I'm, I'm in a true 50-50 marriage where 
Philip takes so much of the brunt of parenthood. In fact, like the guilt I feel often because he does so much uh, is real. But advice to moms who don't know how to respond to their husband, who think their jobs are more important than theirs. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe this is too fucking wiry and crafty, but like, they're not going (laughs) to listen to you. So is there something to just like handing off the baby saying, okay, fine. Like I have one friend who said, Saturdays, I walk away. Saturdays are completely yours. Your job's so important Monday through Friday. Saturdays, I'm going and doing something for myself and you take over and let them feel that responsibility until nightfall. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'm going to get hell for this advice. I don't know. Uh, No, I think that's great advice. (laughs) They don't, they'll see when they, when they do. (laughs) Because you you can't explain it, right? The job. It's really a a hands-on learning experience. Right. What about working, busy working moms? And, and they need to find support, maybe emotionally, or maybe there's around, around guilt being a working mom. What, do you, what are any advice like that for them? Oh, God, I could use this advice. <laughs> what do you wish someone would tell you then? Right, right. Um, to be easier on myself and to practice grace with myself. I give grace to others, but I don't give it to me. And so that's something I need help with. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't feel right giving advice on this only because I'm, I struggle so much with it. I feel a lot of guilt. I don't give friendships a lot of weight. Um, I always feel like between work and husband and kids, there's, you know, the leftover time I have is minimal. So I I don't invest enough in my friendships and that's something I beat myself up for a lot. Uh, But I wish I did. (laughs) And I wish I was more gentle with myself. I think that's great advice just in general about any woman feeling anything because we tend to sort of put our, ourselves last, even if you're not a mom. Yes. Okay, what is your favorite and then least favorite part of being a working mom? Uh, my favorite part is hard to say because I like a lot. I like a lot of it. Basic bitch shit. I like being <laughs> able to just have something that's mine. When I get dressed... And I get in the car, or I guess these days when I step into another room and close the door, (laughs) um, (laughs) and I have something that's just mine, it reminds me of who I am. And that comforts me. Um, Yeah, I think think that would be my number one is just the sort of like comfort in knowing that like there's there's something inside of me that I'm nurturing that's just mine. And that happens at work. Um, The thing I like the least... uh, I mean, the guilt. Yeah. Like I, I miss a lot of like right now we're gearing up for season six and I'm away from my oh. kids a lot, even though I'm home, I'm like locked. I'm constantly like, get out, get out, get out. I've got this thing now. Yeah. And so that, you know, like today was their graduation and like their second, their graduation was over. I'm like, congratulations. Goodbye. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I feel like I'm not, um, I'm not present enough. And when I'm when I'm actually with them, I feel like I've got to like lock my phone away. Otherwise it's very hard for me to be present. Right. I can imagine also it's so much more difficult to do it at home yes. because it's like they don't, they can't see that you're li- you're, you're leaving. So they can't see you, but like they don't understand that you're literally in the other room. Why can't you hang out with me? Totally. <laughs> Jackson said to me, Jack, cause I'm always like harping on my kids. I don't, um, I don't know if your listenership would relate, but my kids are like obsessed with their iPads right now. Like virtual school has made sure. them. I'm sure they could relate. <laughs> yes. And in Toronto, you know, the world's still closed. So it's like 
they haven't been in school and they're just screen, screen, screen all the time. So I keep being like, no screen time. We're taking a break. And then they see me doing this or on my phone <laughs> and they think my work is screen time. And, and Jackson was like, you should take a screen time break. And I'm like, you don't understand anything. <laughs> That's actually insightful advice <laughs> from a kid. All right, now it is time for No Mom Gale presented by Heineken Zero Zero. It's not just another non-alcoholic beer. It's an alcohol-free beer. This podcast is all about being honest and real about life as a mom. We're also really not interested in mom guilt. We all do the stuff that we're worried others will judge us for, but you don't need to feel guilty for any of the shit you do as a mom. Can you kind of talk about the just the general experience like moms feel like guilt I know you said about friendships but is there any one story that maybe you felt recently that was very overwhelming but maybe you got through it and there was like a positive kind of learning experience from there where you realized maybe I shouldn't feel this guilty yeah I mean this is something I know a lot about (laughs) unfortunately that doesn't sound very good for me And I think that the person, it's going to sound abstract, but the person that you, that is the most upset about the situation is you. It's harder on you than on them. And they are smart and crafty. And even when they're very, very little and not manipulative yet, (laughs) they know, yes, they know you're missing. It's hard for them. They're going to feel it, but nowhere near. And I mean, not even a 10th of how bad you're going to feel. And I say that to give you comfort and that they're going to be okay. And when this chunk is over and you do get some time with them, whether it's an hour or 15 minutes or a whole day or a whole weekend, fill them up, give them love. And then know that and do that so that when you leave them again and do what you do, you can go, okay, they're going to be fine because we're going to get there again. And they might make you like, I've, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been gone for a few weeks or in the summer, you know, we shoot the show. So I'm gone a ton. And on the weekends, I'm really sleepy. I only want to watch TV with them. I take like a walk around the block, but I'm a really laid back mom. And (laughs) um, I just keep telling them I love them and being as gentle as I can. And then when I go back to work, I know like, you know what, I'll be there and there'll be hugs coming. And even if they're mad at me for a little bit, we will get back to what we were. Um, And so far, that's always remained true. So beating yourself up in the process is just wasted energy. It's not going to make them feel better. It's not going to make you feel better. So go, do it, let it go, come back and be present with them. That's the only way to do it. I love that. And that goes back to the whole thing of like giving yourself some grace and compassion. Yes. yes. And all of the above. Harder, harder, easier, easier said than done, of course. No, I'm not it's good absolutely at it. difficult. Trying. You can't really do it. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. Thank you again, Catherine. And thanks again, Heineken Zero Zero. You know when you really want to enjoy happy hour, but also really want to get that quick workout in? With Heineken Zero Zero, you can guarantee you'll crush that workout. It's not just another non-alcoholic beer. It's an alcohol-free beer. The brewers at Heineken have very kindly removed the alcohol and potential regret, but kept all the good stuff. So it still has that taste you love. So now you can enjoy a cold one whenever you want and actually raise the chances of you making it through that workout. And did we mention it's only 69 calories? So get ready to sweat and give it a try. Pick up a pack of Heineken Zero Zero at your local retailer or get it delivered to your door. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Please drink responsibly.
Well, okay. So you said you're think you're doing season six. Can you tell us about season five? What are we expecting? It's on, right? It's out in, on Netflix now. It's currently on Netflix all over the world uh, in Canada because, of course, Canada's had it since it's premiered on the CBC. You can find that on CBC Gem. And it's season five is just, I love season five. It's funny. It's a hell of a ride. Um, we handle COVID very quickly because the idea of watching a bunch of these people in masks drove me crazy. I was like, hell no. That's my life. I don't need that on my entertainment. We're your, we're your escape. If you want to go and see a show about a bunch of uh, selfish women who want everything and are unapologetically ambitious, uh, put on fantastic outfits and go smash some glass ceilings, um, check us out. And know that this season is... Uh, is a special one if you've watched the show because we see the real love story, which is Kate and Anne, their friendship. Um, you know, Anne moves away at the end of season four, spoiler alert. And so we get to see sort of the, the ramifications of that and if it lasts. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything. I feel like I've already spoiled plenty, but uh, I, I think so many of us experienced friendship loss when COVID happened, but I think it almost accidentally hit home in a profound way that I hadn't anticipated season five. Well, I'm very excited to go watch it right after this call, this interview <laughs> and um, really appreciate you sharing that and sharing your stories and being really real with us. So everyone go watch working moms season five, Netflix, CBC, if you're in Canada right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> I love Canada. Um, and that is it for this episode of Betcha's Moms. Guys, don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple and Spotify. Thank you so much, Catherine. We really appreciate you doing this show with us. And do you want people to follow you? Like, is that a thing? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, I, I got... Uh... Tell us where. Tell us where. <laughs> I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have working mom accounts, of course, but um, you can follow me at WriteKatu, R-E-I-T-C-A-T-O-U. Love it. And guys, remember, there are no rules on this podcast. We're not like regular moms. We're working moms. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.